It is not lost on me how distant and comfortable we can become in our fellowship with Christ when all is well. We also desperately want to have smooth sailing and calm seas without ever so much a crest of a wave to rock the boat. But we are not promised such things, lest we do away with the sea itself. The suffering and dark times which overwhelm us can attempt to drown us, blurring our vision and suffocating our hope, causing us to look inward, rather than to look upward and unto God himself for refuge. I recently read a quote from Elizabeth Elliot, who has been an encouragement to me for a while. She once said, Our vision is so limited we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. The love of God is of a different nature altogether. It does not hate tragedy. It never denies reality. It stands in the very teeth of suffering. The love of God did not protect his own son. He will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like his son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will have to go into the process. There is such truth in this statement. We expect protection from any ounce of suffering, and yet we take no issue with Jesus drinking the full cup of God's wrath once reserved for us. The truth is that we are no greater than our master. No one is immune from suffering. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Subscribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Subscribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Subscribe. So, this podcast is actually going to be a little different. Um, and the reason being is that the two things that I just read, the two excerpts, are from two different blog posts. And I'm going to preface it by saying this is what sparked these blog posts was a personal time that I had gone through at the end of last year and still currently going through in our family. And without going into great detail about it, I'm sure that even what little bit I share with you, there will be a lot of people who can relate to this and hopefully it will be an encouragement and will be a blessing to some people as you travel along the rocky road or the the rocky waters of trials and difficulties and hardships whatever they look like in your life right now and even a level of suffering which none of us desire to go through but we all endure some sort of hardship or trial or tribulation at some point and sometimes it can be seem more severe or be more severe in one person's life than another uh, we can perceive that what we're going through is extremely hard and another person may perceive it as not as difficult as what they're going through. But regardless of that, as believers in Christ, what we must understand is we are not promised that we are going to have every single day and it be easy, that we're not going to ever suffer anything, that we're not going to deal with hardships, that we're not going to deal with sickness, that we're not going to deal with calamity that we're not going to deal with trials but the Bible prepares us and helps us to know what to do in these situations what I wanted to do today was going to be a little bit different and I'm going to interject some things as I read but what I wanted to do today that was a little different than the other previous podcasts that I've done is I wanted to read from these two blog posts and to offer a little bit more insight when necessary but these blog posts for me were the best way for me to convey 
what I was going through and dealing with and continuing to in our family when dealing with a loved one that is battling and suffering in their own way and calling out to God and praying and wanting to see God do a certain thing and to move in a certain way. And really in this time, even though suffering and going through hardship is not desired, it's not fun, it's not something that we all sign up for, that we are so excited to experience. I have to tell you, in these times, even in the past two years, I can tell you, and even years past beyond that, but in particular, the past two years, there has been a level of suffering that I have gone through personally in different areas of my life that have really, as even though they have been painful, they have fashioned and formed me more and more and drawn me closer to God than I ever could have been if I never went through a hard time one day of my life. And through these blog posts of, of things that tran- have transpired over the past several months, this is why I wrote these two blog posts. The first one was written on December 22nd, and it was called Praising God in the Darkness. And just uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of background about this before I read it, this title came about because I was laying in bed in the middle of the night. I was out of town with my with my husband and my two children, and I was praying. I, I could not sleep. I'd had a lot of sleepless nights because of an issue that was going on. And I would wake up in the middle of the night, and my first instinct was to pray. And sometimes I would lay there, and just the tears would just stream down my face And I, while I was praying. And then this particular night, when I woke up, I remember starting to pray, asking God, petitioning God, according to Philippians 4, and really in these, in the, even these past two years, learning what it really means to pray, what prayer looks like according to scripture. I'm not demanding God of anything. I'm not commanding anything. I'm asking God and I'm trusting him. And yes, my emotions get involved and there's times that I'm anxious. And then I go back to scripture. What does scripture have to say? Be anxious for nothing. What's what Philippians 4 tells us. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And as I would pray, I would find myself saying that that scripture, as I'll read here in just a few minutes, in one of these blog posts, I would find myself, even through tears, and sometimes through through joy in, in meditating on who the Lord is, on pondering and thinking on who the Lord is, I would find myself in joy thanking God and saying the scripture out loud as I pray. Thank you, God, that I've made my petitions known to you. I brought thanksgiving to you. And after I've done that, your peace, which surpasses all understanding, is guarding my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This particular night I was laying there, and as I was praying and petitioning God on this particular matter, it shifted, and I began to thank God and praise him and to really Think on his majesty, his glory, his splendor, his righteousness, his holiness, to thank him for his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his kindness. And things shifted that night. There were still things ever since then. My perspective changed even how I began to really understand Philippians more and more of giving thanksgiving to God before I even prayed and thanking him for even the simplest of things. And when you begin to thank God for even the simplest of things, you soon find that you can't even exhaust that list. And it 
remind you that it's so important to thank God for even the smallest of things and to not forget to thank him for those things in the midst of making our petitions known to him. So in this praising God in the darkness, it was a it was an interesting moment. I don't want to say strange, but it was an interesting moment because I was understanding what it meant to truly praise God. And I've I've dealt with things in my life that were very difficult. Like I said in the past 2 years there were things that happened that seemed to be so monumental or pivotal in my life and affecting close loved ones around me as well. And so I was pondering on this when I was writing this, Praising God in the Darkness. And so I wanted to share this with you, share a little insight from it, and then we'll talk about the second blog post. A couple of scriptures came to mind when I was writing this blog post. Psalm 16 verses 7 through 8 came to mind. It says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. First Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 say, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's easy to read these passages sometimes and to tell someone who is in the middle of hurting or suffering or going through a trial Well, you just need to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. But what happens when that scripture is turned on you when you're dealing with something that's very trying, very difficult, that your faith is being tested, that you are really having to trust in the Lord regardless of what you see? Rejoice always. Rejoicing always means we don't wait to rejoice when it's easy, when there's nothing going on that makes it difficult. It means rejoice always. We don't, we don't cease to do that. We pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean that we're always walking around, praying all the time, trying to be super spiritual. But it does mean that when we pray, we're seeking God in matters, that we're continuing to make our petitions known to him, that we're seeking him in all things and all matters. We're giving thanks in all circumstances. Again, we're not just giving thanks when it's good and it's easy and everything's going well. Everything's lined up the way we want it to. We are giving thanks in all circumstances, even when we don't understand what's going on around us, even when it's hard, and even when it looks like that we're not walking in blessing like the world says we are, or some in the church say that we are, but we give, we thank God. We thank God for the trying times. We thank God for suffering. We thank God in the, in the moments that are really testing us and testing our faith. We thank him in all situations and all circumstances because he is a sovereign God and he is holy and he is good and he is gracious and merciful. So I'm going to read this blog post to you. The middle of the night has been an unexpected friend as of late. Lying awake in the thick of the darkness has presented itself as a time to pray and to make my petitions known to God for loved ones and to cast my cares upon the Lord. These past few years have had their share of both testing and blessing, and the tests have not only been at my doorstep, but they have taught me more about drawing close to God and trusting His ways than anything else ever could. It is not lost on me how distant and comfortable we can become in our fellowship with Christ when all is well. We all so desperately want to have smooth sailing and calm seas without ever so much a crest of a wave to rock the boat, but we are not promised such things lest we do away with the sea itself. The suffering and dark times which overwhelm us can attempt to drown us, blurring our vision and suffocating our hope, causing us to look inward rather than to look upward and unto God himself for refuge. I get it. 
the waves are real. The uncertainty and the burdens can be overwhelming and seem as if too much to bear. But the assurance of his word and of God himself calms those anxious ebbs and flows. And the tears which flow with every cry unto God stream past the sea and into the very hands of the Lord who holds those tears. What comfort it brings to be reminded of Psalm 56, verse 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Suffering is not lost on God, nor is it wasted. The psalmists remind us that pain and sorrow are vital notes in the song of a life sung unto the Lord. Petitions and prayer are not the only thing whispered and carried by the darkness these days. Those seemingly unintelligible words which no other man comprehends but God never misses. Piercing the darkness in these intimate moments are sacrifices of praise, giving thanks to God for His mercy, His grace, and His steadfast love. The sorrow turns to joy as I exalt God on a pillow without rest, quietly telling of His majestic splendor and of His holiness. He is good. He is worthy, righteous, and mighty. He is forever faithful, and no matter what changes life brings, his attributes do not change. I praise him in the brokenness, thankful that as his child by grace through faith in Christ, he does not despise my brokenness. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 interweaves itself into those times as I remind myself to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to make my request known to God. And after having done that, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I have repeated this verse countless times in prayer, through tears and anguish, and through joy and contentment. I notice how Paul told the Philippians to pray and to supplicate. Many dislike that word, supplicate, because it is a pleading, an urgent begging. It is a dependency on the one whom we place our hope and trust, relinquishing control that we never had in the first place. It is not there by accident. But then we are told in the midst of prayer and supplications to have thanksgiving on our lips. We thank him, not because of the desired outcome, but because he is God and his peace sustains us. Thanksgiving unto God is a beacon in the dark of night because this praise is not dependent on me or my feelings. It is a proclamation and a focus on who is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. What happens when we do not get what we so desire and have asked for in prayer? Is God no longer worthy of praise and thanksgiving? Is he no longer God? Will we thank him when the answer to prayer is no or not yet? Paul did not assure the Philippians they would receive their prayers and petitions as asked. He told them that the peace of God would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus in the midst of their prayers and supplications with thanksgiving. There is a peace which he gives that though we suffer and have moments of weakness, the world can neither diminish nor obliterate. He strengthens us in our weakness. And when those dark moments come, we pray, we supplicate, and we do not fail to thank God in all circumstances. There is always a reason to praise him, and it is ever more clear in the darkness. So as I read this to you, and I'm thinking back of what sparked me to write this blog post and continues to um, invade my thoughts and and my prayers is that even in our darkest times God is worthy of our praise and our worship and we are to turn to him in every circumstance and to thank him in every circumstance we thank him when we get what we have asked for in prayer we thank him when we have not gotten what we have asked for in prayer because the response that we get in prayer 
does not change who God is. He is holy. He is good. He is gracious. His, his love is steadfast. His mercy endures forever. His mercies are new every day. He is a sovereign God. He knows what's best for us. And as I said before, we may find in situations that we draw closer to God when it's more difficult than if everything always went our way. If, as much as I would love everything to go my way, I have to face the understanding in a painful realization that if everything went my way, I would abandon God. I'm reminded of the, the hymn that um, Come Thou Fount, and there's a particular lyric in there that really gets to me whenever I think on it and even sing it. And um, it talks about prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And isn't that the case for all of us? We are so prone to wander and to leave the God that we love. We love him as believers, but there is always this part of us that is prone to wander. When we don't get our way, when when the prayer isn't answered the way we want or when we want, there can be this tendency in a moment, whether we would admit it or not, that we would question, God, aren't you listening? Don't you care? Why am I not getting the answer that I want in this moment? And we have to look at scripture and to look at who God is and understand who he is and understand maybe in that moment, it's a not yet, as I talked about, for a reason to continue on in faith and to trust him. Maybe he knows in that moment, if we got exactly what we wanted that very second, that we would be in that state of prone to wander, to forget his goodness and his patience and his kindness and his grace, grace towards us and his mercy and to go on thinking, oh, I'll get what I've, I've gotten what I want. I'm good now. You know, I'll come back to you, God, when I need you. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We continuously turn to the Lord on the mountain and in the valley because that's the relationship that we have with him. So that's praising God in the darkness. And so the second blog post that I just wrote came out yesterday on January 4th. This one is called When Suffering Comes to Fellowship because I found myself going to Philippians 3. That was one of the passages I went to. It says, Though I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I don't know how many times I've heard Philippians 3 verses 10 quoted. And a lot of times, not every time, but there were many times that I heard this scripture quoted by different ministers and they stopped short of and may share in his sufferings. <laughs> it was as if they put a period at the end of the sentence where they deemed the period and they would say, though I may know him in the power of his resurrection. There was a focus on such the power there, not understanding the context. And I didn't even understand the context at the time, really. It just sometimes there are verses that are said that they just sound really good and they sound so dynamic and powerful and they stir a crowd. But it, the period was put at the end of resurrection, but that's not a period. That's a comma that's at the end. Paul went on to say, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. By any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It wasn't just about the power and the glory and being an apostle. It was knowing I am going to suffer for the sake of the gospel. 
And our suffering may not be always for the sake of the gospel. There are people that we don't know on the other side of the world that are suffering for the sake of the gospel. They are giving their lives for the gospel. They are seeing family members give their lives for the gospel, for the sake of Christ. Some of us will not ever understand that, that amount of sacrifice. There are different levels of suffering. There are different areas of suffering that people go through, whether it's in their bodies, whether it's in dealing with mental, emotional things, whether family issues, uh, marriage, whatever they're dealing with, children that are estranged from God or estranged from their own families that are dealing with things. There can be many, any, many areas where people suffer. And it's not always necessarily for the sake of the gospel itself. But at the same time, any type of suffering that we go through, when we respond in the, in the way that glorifies God, that we are coming back to him, we're putting our faith and our hope and our trust in him, then that suffering is not wasted. And that's something to understand. It's something that a lot of us, we don't understand that or comprehend it. And we don't want to talk about suffering. It's one of the least talked about topics in Christianity. And it's one of the topics that's really addressed in Christianity above and beyond any other religion because other religions don't want to talk about suffering. They want to talk about reaching a higher level as a person, a higher plane spiritually, a higher dimension, whatever that is, and a higher existence. But Christianity addresses that there will be suffering. Jesus promised it. He promised it to his disciples. He went through it himself. And I'm going to talk about this in this blog post and read it to you and discuss that just a little bit. But we don't talk about suffering. And even in areas of the church that I was involved in, suffering is not talked about. And if you did suffer, as I said, depending on who you talk to, there could be various ways to look at the suffering. Well, that person is out of the will of God. Well, you know, they came out from under the covering, the spiritual covering they were under. And so now they're under a curse, which some of these things that are said, they've just been adopted as things to say. And there's no biblical basis to them. The same God that they say would not put sickness on anybody is now the same God who's cursing that person for leaving their spiritual covering or coming against a highly influential leader or touching the God's anointed, which we've talked about before on another podcast, I believe. There's just a lot of different aspects that can be said that really are not biblically based. And it's ignoring the fact that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where sin is the reason why sickness and disease and affliction came into this world because of Adam sinning against God and rebelling. We are in a fallen world. We do not have our glorified bodies yet. The last time I checked, I don't have a glorified body yet. And so I'm going to endure some some things in this world before I die. Not until I reach heaven and have passed on and into glory with God am I going to be free of sin and free of suffering. Suffering is a part of the fall. And even though we are redeemed in Christ, we still have mortal bodies right now that are going to go through things. We are going to endure things in our lives. We are going to endure hardships and difficulties. But God has given us promises in his word that we're not to be overwhelmed by those things, but we are to 
rejoice in the fact that Christ has overcome those things. Even though we will endure hardship, Christ has still overcome those things. And we can have joy even in the, in the midst of those the pain. We can have joy in the midst of hardship and suffering. We can have joy in the midst of loss and grieving and mourning. We can still have joy because our, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We begin to really trust and to lean in, into God. And he begins to heal us. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up the wounds. And so suffering is something that the church really needs to talk about uh, in, in every area of the church. We need to be talking about this in the body of Christ and helping believers understand you're going to suffer just because you're a Christian. Don't think that you've arrived because we're setting people up for spiritual devastation. When we tell them you're always going to be healthy, you're always going to have money in your bank account and you're always going to prosper and you're the head and not the tail and, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. What happens when a weapon comes and it does prosper because we have not understood the scripture in the proper context? What happens to that believer when they have believed certain things and then a family member gets sick or their marriage starts to suffer or their children are lost and they're, they're doing all the things that the, the leaders have told them to do and it's not coming to pass and things are looking worse or the unthinkable happens with certain instances that can never be undone and you have people that are going to be shipwrecked in their faith because they have not understood the scripture properly they don't understand the attributes of God properly they have misappropriated power and authority to themselves rather than to God. They've not trusted in the sovereignty of God. They've not trusted in the truth of the word and what what faith really is, not faith in words and, and other such things, as I'll say in just a second. But there's just a lot that we can talk about there. But ultimately, suffering is part of the Christian walk. And anybody who tries to say that it's not, they have not read the Bible because there were many people in scripture who suffered. There were the, all the apostles suffered. 11 of 12 of them were martyred for the sake of Christ. Many of the first century believers suffered for the sake of Christ. Some of them went singing to their crosses as they were going to be crucified and martyred and killed, mauled by lions. They would go singing and rejoicing. You cannot sing and rejoice going to your death, to your physical death, without knowing truly knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and understanding what the abundant life is, what is which is eternal life that Jesus promised and understanding what true prosperity is, which is a spiritual prosperity and not being spiritually bankrupt and spiritually poor in spirit. Like Matthew 5 talks about recognizing you are spiritually poor and coming to know Christ as your Lord and Savior and being adopted as a child of God and being transformed. So this next blog post is when suffering comes to fellowship. And I've already read uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 to you that I quoted. Another one that came to mind was 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And Psalm 119.71 says, It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. So let me read this blog post to you. When suffering comes to fellowship. It is the promise we reluctantly receive with clenched fists and eyes tightly shut. 
It is the guest we wish to avoid knocking on the door of our lives and the lives of loved ones, hoping that it will move along its way as we shut off the lights and sit in silence. Whether we would admit it or not, we may skip over the scriptures talking about this absolution while highlighting and underlining the verses mentioning blessing and victory and ultimately misunderstanding the biblical context of such things. Suffering is not desired by anyone. But as Christians, we understand that suffering is not only a promise but a gift and a facet of our intimate walk with Jesus Christ. We are not promised a primrose path in this fallen world. We are not promised that we will not suffer for the sake of the gospel or that we will not endure hardship and afflictions. But we hold fast to the narrow way leading to Christ, taking up our crosses to come after him. We do not treat the cross as an accessory to adorn, but as a way of fellowship with our precious Savior. I recently read a quote from Elizabeth Elliot, who had been an encouragement to me for a while. She once said, Our vision is so limited we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. The love of God is of a different nature altogether. It does not hate tragedy. It never denies reality. It stands in the very teeth of suffering. The love of God did not protect his own son. He will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like his son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will have to go into the process. There is such truth in this statement. We expect protection from any ounce of suffering, and yet we take no issue with Jesus drinking the full cup of God's wrath once reserved for us. The truth is, is that we are no greater than our master. No one is immune from suffering. Suffering came to fellowship with Christ. The Father did not withhold it from him, the suffering servant. It was essential in atoning for our sin. Isaiah 53 verse 3 tells us that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. That's in Isaiah 53 verse 10. Why would we believe for a moment that suffering would not be foundational in our lives as believers? Why do we have such disdain for that which Christ bent like wheat to the will of the Father? Jesus promised his disciples that trouble and tribulation would come to them, but they were to be comforted by his peace. It's in John chapter 16, verse 33. No matter how much we would like to avoid the fellowship of suffering, Scripture assures us that it comes. We see Peter telling fellow believers that their suffering and grief in various trials were meant to display their genuineness of faith. James told the twelve tribes to count it all joy when meeting trials of various kinds. Paul did not stop at knowing Christ Jesus in his resurrection through faith in him as his Savior, but he embraced the fellowship and the sharing of his sufferings because he knew that in doing so he was being conformed to the image of Christ. The church at Corinth was told of the God of comfort, who comforts in all afflictions, and as believers share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ they also share abundantly in comfort. The gift of the fellowship of his sufferings draws us closer to God, conforming us evermore into his image. To speak of suffering is neither popular nor desired. But when a Christian suffers in some capacity, that blessed disciple's faith is given the privilege to be refined, shining forth sacrificial praise and honor to the one who is worthy. It is a great comfort to know that our faith is not in our words, positive thoughts, or in our faith. Our faith rests upon the rock, regardless of what may come, and though the landscape changes, he changes not. When suffering comes to fellowship, we unclench our fists and we open our eyes. We look to the one from where our help comes. We do not shrink back or hide in times of affliction and pain. We consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And we praise Jesus Christ for suffering beyond comprehension on our behalf. The fellowship of his sufferings. 
that is something that you and I both could stand to take a further look at in our walk with God. It's really easy and convenient for us to look at the blessing, what we perceive as blessings in Scripture, to highlight them, to underline them, to draw attention to them, to talk about them, and to forsake the fact that in some way that we don't understand or comprehend in our finite understanding as human beings, as creatures who have been created by Almighty God, that we cannot see the blessing in the midst of suffering, that we cannot see in the midst of a trial that God is drawing us closer to Him than we could ever be if we were given everything that our hearts desired, that everything that we ever asked for or wanted. Reminded of Joseph, uh, I had heard Elizabeth Elliot. I had gone back and listened to some of her old teachings on YouTube, and one of them I came across, it was talking about offering. She was talking about suffering is not for nothing. And she's talking about Joseph and how in Genesis 45 that Joseph says to his brothers, you did not send me here to send him to Egypt, but God sent him there. And I had not really ever heard that being focused upon. It's always the, and I believe in Genesis 50, and misquoted really, it talks about what the devil meant for bad, God meant for good. And they always use that that, that quote to tie in with Joseph. Well, Joseph didn't say that the devil what the devil meant for bad. God did turn it around for the good. He told his brothers, after his brothers were fearful when their father died, they were afraid that Joseph was going to retaliate against them for what he had done, what they had done to him. And Joseph told them, essentially, what you meant for evil, what his brothers, he addressed it to them, what you meant for evil, God used it for the good. And it was not for just for Joseph's good. It was for the good of the multitude there in Egypt. Why? Because him being thrown in a pit, him being sold into slavery, him being accused, falsely accused of things he did not do to Potiphar's wife, him being imprisoned, all the things that he went through led him to the place of a high-ranking authority under Pharaoh and given the position that he was, and he understood the dream of Pharaoh and saved multitudes from famine. And he makes it clear in Genesis 45, that his brothers did not send him there, that God did. So he ultimately, if you want to read between the lines, Joseph is giving God credit for every bit of suffering that he endured to get to that point. And it got me thinking, how many of us would consider that if we endured hardship and we endured suffering and affliction in whatever capacity that looked like, and even suffering you know, ultimately for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ itself, for preaching the gospel and suffering for that. Whatever level of suffering that we're dealing with because of living in this fallen world, would we look at that as a blessing? Would we look at that and say, for many of us, myself included, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard pill to think that we credit God with everything, that we know that he, that his sovereignty extends to even the level of us in our hardship and affliction because he did not withhold affliction and suffering from his son. Jesus Christ bore suffering beyond what we can even fathom and he took upon himself what we deserved. And for us to think that we are above Christ in in suffering, that we would have the burden of suffering as Christians is offensive to many people. 
And so as believers in Christ, what we should be doing is turning back to what Scripture tells us, looking at the examples that are set for us in Scripture, to know how to respond in those times of suffering, of hardship, of difficulty, of trial, of tribulation, of when we are suffering for the sake of the gospel, when we are suffering in our bodies or in our minds or in our families, in in whatever capacity that we are um, suffering and having difficulty and understanding what it means to cast our cares on the Lord, to trust in him, learning how to pray, knowing what it means to pray biblically, and ultimately putting our faith in Christ, regardless of what the it looks like in the moment or what the outcome looks like, trusting that his ways are higher, that his ways are better, that we do not know the mind of God. We do not know his thoughts. Um, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways, but that we trust him in all things and that we take those opportunities when they come and we don't think, well, why this is, I'm going through this for nothing. This, this is for nothing. Instead, we need to have a mindset of looking at it and going, I'm going to praise God through this. Even in my darkest moments, when they appear dark, I'm going to praise him and I'm going to thank him in the middle of giving, asking and giving my petitions and making my petitions and supplications known to God. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to praise him in the darkness. And I am going to welcome the fellowship of his sufferings because through those moments, he is conforming me. The Holy Spirit is conforming me to the image of Christ. There are things in me in this moment that need to die, that they need to be crucified. They need to die. The selfishness that's in me, the pride, the arrogance, the lack of the false humility, the the re, the reliance upon myself, the the pride of wanting to think that I have all the answers, that I need to be strong, that needs to die. And we thank God in those moments when he's breaking those things down in us. He's conforming us into the image of Christ, and he's helping us to understand we need him. God does not need us. We need him. And we praise God through those moments. So I hope that this has been a blessing to you. It may have been challenging. You may not even agree with what I'm saying. You may turn this off and say, I don't agree with any of this. And I would just simply tell you, go back to Scripture. Look at those that suffered. Look at those who have, have endured things for the sake of the gospel and ask yourself, was it for nothing? Was that suffering Was that suffering permitted by God? Why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he stop Stephen stoning? Didn't, didn't that glorify God? Yes, it did. Jesus witnessed it. Why didn't, you know, we could ask a lot of different questions, but ultimately the real question is, how are we conducting ourselves when these times come? Who are we putting our trust in? Is our trust in ourselves? Is our trust in our positive thoughts? Is our trust in our faith, in our words, in our power? Or are we trusting in the one true living God who is greater than any of these circumstances and he works for the good of all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And all things includes the things that we consider not so good, but God knows that they're for our good. And so I pray blessings over you, over this podcast as you've listened to it, that it ministers to you, it blesses you and encourages you to dig into the word and to trust God. If you are going through something right now, that you turn to him and pray, find the scriptures that uh, going to 
minister in that capacity and what you're dealing with and seek God in all these matters and trust him in all these things and know that he is good, faithful, merciful, gracious, and he is our father in heaven when we know him and know his son as our Lord and Savior. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.